super sweet. Uh, Brandon's just been a super instrumental person in my life uh, and investing in me. Uh, but it's cool. It's cool to be here. And today we're going to look at a passage in Mark chapter 2. And so if you have Bibles, then you can start turning there with me. And we're going to gain some inspiration. You guys have Bible studies, right? Like you guys do Bible studies as a class maybe? Like women's, men's, or couples, or some sort of Bible studies? When do you guys meet for Bible study? Every three weeks. Every three weeks? Where, where at? Gives me around town. The ladies have two, one at my house uh-huh. and one sometimes soccer. Yeah. And where, where do the two. guys meet? Rotate. Rotate from house to house. Okay. <laughs> so whenever I came to Midtown for the first time, I got plugged in. So Brandon Briscoe, he was a high school teacher at the high school I went to. And I said I was a, a Christian, and, and I was. I believed in Jesus Christ. Uh, but he saw a lot of incongruencies in my life. And so after I graduated, I got involved in kind of the art scene here in Kansas City. And he called me out and said, hey, man, you say that you're a Christian, but you don't know what you believe, you don't know why. You're not living like it. Uh, You're not growing, and you don't have any accountability in your life. Uh, What's going on? And I got, you know, caught with my pants down. I I don't know. And so he challenged me to, to come somewhere where I can grow, where I can get accountable. And I ended up in Dan Renault's Bible study. Uh, Dan Renault is one of my best friends, and he's been used mightily by God to invest in me. And that Bible study changed everything. And so today, in Mark chapter 2, uh, we're going to see Jesus leading an in-home Bible study. And, and my prayer is that we'll take away some inspirations for ourselves uh, as we lead and host Bible studies and take away some inspiration for, for your class, for the, the Bible studies that you have. The beautiful thing about these Bible studies, for, for me at least, is that they've been a great evangelical tool where it's not just, you know, high spiritual people looking all, you know, biblical and smart and astute, but it's a place where you can invite other people in and they can meet Jesus Christ as well. And so that's the prayer. Again, uh, God used these in a big way in my life. Um, that, that one Bible study that I got plugged into years ago uh, for, for those of you who, who attend here, uh, guys like Dan, Del Thomas would have been a part of that. Alex Allen would have been a part of that. Uh, Uriah Ginther, Blake Sidebottom, Josh O'Hora, um, guys like Blade, Spiza, and Montana. And, and the cool thing is, fast forward, these guys are, are leaders in our church. Uh, they're, they're deacons. They're, they're, they're pastors. And God's used those Bible studies to challenge me, to build me up. Uh, to, to stay accountable, to, to grow in the Word, uh, to have a burden to share the gospel with those who don't know Jesus personally. And by God's grace, you know, I've been able to be a part of these Bible studies for about eight years now. Uh, and I've been able to, to, to lead alongside guys like Uriah and Alex Allen, and we've been able to trust God to win souls in Midtown. Um, and then I got to lead along some others, uh, alongside some other guys. Currently, I lead a Bible study at, at UMKC. And we've been able to see now five men's Bible studies spawn out of that on campus. Uh, Praise the Lord. Um, But what I've learned over eight years um, uh, of kind of being involved in these Bible studies is that it works. You know, it's pretty profound. It it works. Studying the Bible, go, go figure. The Bible says that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God, right? And so whenever we get an open Bible, Sam always says that ministry is an open Bible. And it's so true. It works. We've been able to see uh, salvations, right? Uh, There's a a gentleman that's attending my Bible study now uh, that's been coming for the past, 
I don't know, three or four months. Uh, and uh, within the, the, the past couple of weeks, uh, you know, the, just the, the water of the word had been working on him. And he'd been reasoning with the scriptures. And it came to the point where he realized, man, this is true. That the, the gospel is the power of God into salvation. And he accepted it. And, and it's so, so cool. You know, we're rejoicing and we're so, so ecstatic for him. Uh, we've been able to see victory over sin. We've been able to see lives just completely transformed. We've been able to see leaders equipped. And guys, we've been able to see churches planted out of Bible studies. You know, what's happening in Lee Summit is a byproduct of, of an open Bible, of a Bible study, right? Uh, and so, uh, you know, as we approach Mark chapter 2, let's approach it with this in mind. Uh, this chapter starts with Jesus holding an in-home Bible study. And as we dig into the passage, we're going to observe critical elements that ought to be a reality in our lives as we seek to open up our Bibles with others. And so before we dig in, I'm just going to try to set the stage for you, give you a little bit of context of what's been going on in the book of Mark. So the book of Mark is fast-paced. It's exciting. It's one of the most electric books in your Bible, right? It's just a bunch of action-packed. And in chapter 1, we're introduced to this guy named John the Baptist. And this is a man that's prophesied of in the Old Testament. And he's the, the, the one that's a voice crying in the wilderness, preparing the way of the Lord, right? And John is preaching this message of repentance. And he's calling all of Israel to, to repent in anticipation of their Messiah, right? And while he's doing this, he's baptizing them in this. And Jesus joins the crowd that's being baptized. And whenever John baptizes him, we learn that the spirit like a dove descends upon him. And God claims Jesus with an audible voice from heaven saying, Beloved Son, in whom I am, in who I am well pleased. And this is a big deal because this begins uh, really the, the beginning of Jesus' earthly ministry. Uh, next thing you know, we see him entering into Galilee. We see him calling disciples. We see him preaching in the synagogues on the Sabbath. Uh, people were astonished because he's preaching with power and authority, not as the scribes in verse 22. Next thing you know, you know, he's casting out unclean spirits in verse 26. Uh, he's exercising not his, just his authority in the scriptures, but his uh, authority over unclean spirits in the spiritual world. We see him exercising his authority over the physical world as he's healing people. He, he healed someone with leprosy. He's healing, you know, Peter, uh, Peter's mother. And, and the whole city of Capernaum is an uproar. Like this guy is, is causing such a stir, right? By verse 39, <laughs> this is no joke. I've made it, you know? This is something. <laughs> Wait, this is awkward. Yeah, this is awkward. So Jesus, he's doing it, y'all. Like it, it's crazy. He's amassing crowds. By 39, we see that Jesus is making his rounds. And it says that he preached in the synagogues throughout all Galilee and cast out devils. And by 45, we learn that his reputation is getting so big that he couldn't even enter into the city openly, right? And, and this is pre-social media. This is pre-television. This is pre-printing press. But the news is getting around really quick about Jesus and his reputation. And this is the backdrop that we enter into as we go into chapter 2. And so before we dive into this passage, if you let me, I'm just going to pray for maybe some of these things and just for myself. I'm a man of stumbling lips, and man, I want God to, to, to get glory today as we consider his word. And so, uh, Lord, as we consider uh, your Bible and the things that you have to tell us this morning, uh, specific, uh, specifically from uh, Mark chapter 2, uh, we just pray that, that you would be glorified in this, Lord. Um, 
it's so easy to come to Sundays uh, out of the routine of it uh, and to lose sight that these are the very words of God and that this is the very body of Christ and that this is a, a big deal. And so, Lord, I, I pray that as we come, that we come with expectation, uh, that we have a soft heart to receive your word, uh, that we have open ears uh, to receive your word, Lord. And we just pray that you meet us where we're at. Uh, Lord, I, I pray that you would set me aside and allow me to communicate clearly uh, the things that you've shown me. Uh, Lord, we, we do pray uh, for the pastors in India, for those in Mozambique, for those in Afghanistan. Uh, we, we, we praise you and thank you uh, for the, the new job that Tim got. Um, and again, Lord, uh, as we consider these words, we don't want to just be hearers of the words. Uh, we want to be doers. And so we pray that as we dig into this passage, that you'd give us powerful insights for Bible study and that lead us to, to be uh, equipped ministers of the gospel. Uh, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, that'd be great. So I've got a handout. Mitch said that he usually gives a handout, and so I'm trying to be as similar to Mitch as possible. So hopefully we're accomplishing that. <laughs> I thought about shaving. No, no I didn't. All right, so if you're in Mark chapter 2, while the handout's coming around, we'll start by just reading kind of the first few verses. In Mark chapter 2, verse 1, it says, And again he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noise that he was in the house. And straightway many were gathered together, and so much that there is no room to receive them, no, uh, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. And so we see here that Jesus is entering into Capernaum again. And that word again, it, it's a key word, and it's a big word. Anytime that we see it in the Bible, uh, it's begging me, it's begging us to consider the last time that this particular event took place, right? And in this case, if you remember chapter 1, Jesus had come to Capernaum, uh, and at the first time uh, we see him enter into the synagogues and to, to preach with authority, uh, the first time he came into the city, he cast out unclean spirits, and he even healed many people. In chapter 1, verse 21 through 34, it says, and they went into Capernaum, and straightway on the Sabbath day he entered in the synagogue and taught. And they were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught uh, them as one with authority and not as the scribes. And there was in the synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Hold thy peace. And come out of him. And when the unclean spirits had torn him and cried with loud voice, he came out of him. And they were all amazed and so much that they questioned among themselves, saying, What thing is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority commandeth he even the unclean spirits, and they do obey him. And immediately his fame spread abroad throughout all the region round about Galilee. And forthwith, when they were come out of the synagogue, they entered into the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. But Simon's wife's mother lay sick of a fever, and none they, they tell him of her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and immediately the fever left her, and she ministered unto them. And at even, when the sun did set, they brought unto him all that were diseased and them that were possessed with devils. And all the city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many that were sick of diverse diseases and cast out many devils. 
and suffered not the devils to speak because they knew him. And so in this first occasion, we notice a number of things, right? We see that Jesus was teaching in the synagogues, uh, and this was common practice for him. So Jesus, just like Paul, had kind of a prescribed method whenever he'd enter into a city. Uh, first, he'd make a beeline to the synagogue as a guest preacher and as a guest speaker in order to have the most strategic impact on the city. And this is a place where people would come looking to meet with God and looking to, to have spiritual questions answered. But the beautiful thing is that Jesus didn't relegate himself and his ministry to the synagogues. We see that Jesus moved to the home by verse 29, uh, which is the most intimate and personal setting in our lives. And Jesus desires the same for us. He desires more than just a Sunday service or, or vain religious activity. He actually wants to enter into the most intimate areas of our life. Man, are, are we allowing him to do that? It's here that Andrew and Simon brought, brought Jesus home and that, that Simon's mother-in-law was healed and saved. And man, I can't think, I can't help but think of, of some men in our ministry uh, that have just gotten on fire and passionate about this book and it's completely transformed them in a way that, that they can't help but, but speak it and share it and to see their, their home lives and how it's been transformed. I think about guys like, like Blade, who a lot of you know, and now a lot of you know his parents because he got so passionate about this Bible. His parents are like, yo, what's going on? He's like, I met this dude Jesus and he changed everything about me. And now they met this dude Jesus and it changed everything about them and they're ministering alongside him and it's awesome. Uh, but we, we have to be people that would invite Jesus into the most intimate areas of our life. We shouldn't live a segmented and compartmentalized lives that leaves Jesus at church, right? We ought to bring him home. <clears throat> Next, we see that this home is a very intimate place. And we see that from this very intimate place, he actually has uh, the widest reach. From his home, we see that the ministry opens up to the entire city in verse 33. It says that all the city was gathered together at the door. And we see that uh, Jesus was ministering into the night, spending the time uh, with the city that gathered at his doorstep to, to hear him and to experience the healing, right? And the testimony was that, that he healed many that were sick of diverse diseases and cast out many devils. And, and these are the things that, that are brought to mind by that one word again. So again, when Jesus is entering into Capernaum again, these are all the things that took place last time he was there. And so, you know, it's no wonder that there was such a stir going on in the city, right? They'd already, he'd already done these incredible exploits there. Uh, th this helps us understand why it's such a big deal whenever he's in town and why they're making a buzz about Jesus being in the house, right? This helps us uh, to, to understand that. Doubtless he'd be staying in the same house, Simon and Andrew's house, uh, are in Capernaum, and this is a very hospitable culture. So any of you that have been to this part of the world, uh, to parts of Southeast Asia, uh, maybe even to parts of Latin America, uh, you've experienced this in a way that doesn't exist here, right? Uh, but this would have been a hospitable culture, and for him to stay anywhere else would have been out of the question, especially the fact that he healed their mother, that they would have felt indebted to him in so many ways. And so as Jesus enters into the home, we find that, that once again, uh, this home serves as the perfect place for ministry operations, right? This is a perfect place to, to reach the community. This is a perfect place for a Bible study. And this is how we ought to think of our own homes. You know, me and Lisa, we, we recently moved over the past year uh, from this part of town to uh, kind of the historic Northeast. 
and, and we did it. We went from an apartment to a to house, which is a big move, and it's been awesome. Uh, but we went with the express intent for this, for, for our home to be a headquarters for ministry operation, for our home to be a place where we could reach our community, where we can invite people in and to study the Word of God. Because we believe with all our hearts that it has the power to completely transform a person's life. And so, in verse 1, we learn that Jesus had been there before. Uh, we get the sense of the buzz that's going around town. All the ladies in the barbershop, they're, they're talking about it, right? They're like, man, Jesus is back in town. It says that it, it was noise that he was in the house. And so it's fitting that the whole city would show back up to, to this same house where they previously received uh, their healing by this man named Jesus. Uh, but let's focus on, on a huge key. Before they ever entered into the study, they focus on acknowledging the presence of God, right? They focus on acknowledging the presence of God. Can you imagine the conversations that are going around town? You know, he, he's with us. Hey, Jesus is here, right? They, they would have said, hey, do, do you remember Freddie? Yeah, Freddie, he, he had spiritual bondage last time Jesus was here, and he freed him of it. Hey, do you remember Biff and Lucy? They had gout, and now they're, they're good, right? Do you remember Teddy? You know, the, those bunions, they're, they're all good now. They, they remember Jesus and the last time he was there. And they're acknowledging his presence with great expectation because they know the testimony about how Jesus works in people's lives. And so there would have been a great stir and great excitement about Jesus being there. And for us, key point number one, when we meet to study the Bible, we must acknowledge the presence of God. That's paramount, y'all. Do you come to church? Do you come to Bible study with great expectation? to hear from God, knowing about the incredible things that he's done in the past, the last time that you guys met. The word of God is very nigh unto me. Emmanuel means God with us. He, he promises that he'll be with us always, even till the end of the world. We're promised where two or three are gathered that he's there in the midst. But the opposite is also true. Wherever the presence of God is acknowledged, his power will show up. But the interesting side note is that when we ignore the presence of God or run from it, then we're inviting his judgment, right? And in Genesis chapter 3, we see Adam and Eve. And we see this voice of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And it said that Adam and his wife hid themselves in the presence of the Lord right before judgment. In Genesis chapter 4, we see that Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod. Jonah chapter 1, we see that Jonah gets this call, right, to arise and go. And it says that he rose up and he fleed to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord, went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. And so let us acknowledge the presence of the Lord uh, every time that we gather together. This is why, you know, whenever I come together with my Bible study, we always start just like this uh, with, with praises. Man, God, thank you. You're good. And coming with great expectation for him to work in our lives. There are things that we ought to put before him. And so this crowd, whenever Jesus entered into Capernaum, they had great expectation. And before they ever broke into study, they acknowledged that Jesus was present with them. And we ought to do the same. We ought to do the same. So, in verse 2, we learn that the, these rumors of his presence stirred up excitement. It drew a crowd. It was standing room only, right? That This house is literally busting at the seams. Uh, but we have to remember, you know, why are they there? They're there because they heard the testimony about how Jesus had worked in the lives of others. And it sparked interest for them to come 
uh, to weigh out the evidence for themselves. And, and upon coming, instead of catering to, to their expectations or putting on some laser light show uh, to, to entertain them, instead of focusing on his miraculous works, we see that Jesus immediately preached the word of God unto them. He didn't try to, to get crazy. He allowed the word of God to do the work of God, right? He allowed the word of God to do the work of God. And, and this is our prayer. Key point number two, as we gather for, for, for Bible studies, as we have these in-home studies, and we start with acknowledging the presence of God, right? Coming with great expectation for him to do an incredible work. Uh, but key point number two, whenever we meet to study the Bible, we must get established in the word of God. This has to be our authority. Jesus immediately shifted the focus from him and his works to the word. And again, where previously he healed all night, this time he said, hey, what's the Bible say? And he opened and he began to preach and to teach to them. Jesus preached the word, not his opinion, not, not, not his philosophy, not his political persuasion. He just amassed the, the most gigantic crowd and immediately he shifts the focus to the word of God as the authority. And in our Bible studies, we're trusting God that we would get established in the word of God. That we'd see it as our final authority. That we would acknowledge that it speaks to, to all things pertaining to life and godliness. That we'd hunger and thirst for it. This is why we study the Bible, right? This is why we're, we're not gathering around over commentaries or, or Christian books or, or good religious books, but the very word of God. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It's the power to save. And so it's not preaching that gives the word power, right? It's not me boldly declaring, thus saith the Lord. It's the word of God that gives any preaching power, right? It's the word of God that gives any preaching power. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 through 17, it says that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. That's profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect and thoroughly furnished into all good works. In Psalm 19, verses 7 through 11, we see the sufficiency of Scripture and what it's good for. It says that the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. That's a big deal, y'all. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise and simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandments of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. And then get this, it's more to be desired than gold. Yeah, I, this is what I do for a living, quite literally, is sell gold. And it's more to be desired. Y'all, gold prices right now, they're high. And it's more to be desired than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter than honey in the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. This is good stuff, right? We want to be established in the word whenever we gather for, for these Bible studies. Key point number three. When we meet to study the Bible, we get to participate in the work of God. When we meet to study the Bible, we get to participate in the work of God. And this is where it gets exciting. This is where it gets good. Did you know that whenever, you know, we're, we're inviting, we're invited to the family business. If you are a son of God, then, then you've been asked to join in this work. In Matthew 28, 18 through 20, we see, go ye therefore and do what? Preach the gospel, right? And in Acts 1, verse 8, it says, Be ye witnesses of me. And in 2 Timothy chapter 4, it says, Do the work of an evangelist. And we ought to be like, like, like Andrew, right? We, we ought to find our, our brother and say, Hey, you just got to come and see. You got to come and see this to Jesus, right? We ought to be like this lady at the well. 
and go to, to all the town and say, hey, this man, he knows everything about me. He's got to be the Christ. And beckon people to come and see them, right? We ought to invite people to come meet Jesus. And in verse number three in chapter two, we see, and they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the presence, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said in the sick of the palsy, son, thy sins be forgiven thee. And so here we're introduced to, to really three groups of people. We're introduced to a man that's sick of the palsy. Do you guys know what it means to be sick of the palsy? This is kind of a weird word, not one that we, we throw around very often. The measles? The measles? Seizures. Close, but, but not quite. Mm-hmm. Seizures. Seizures, okay. Uh, it means that he's paralyzed, essentially, right? So, so he can't walk. This is why the, these men are, are burying him, right? And so we, we also meet the, the, these four men that, that bring this man to Jesus. And the last group of people that we meet is referred to as the press. And these are the people that are hindering them from meeting Jesus, right? And this passage beautifully summarizes three different types of people uh, that we're sure to encounter, right? Uh, Whether at church or in Bible studies. And it's crucial for us to identify out of these three different types of people, uh, you know, who we are, right? Man, am I in this group? Am I that that person that's hurting coming to Jesus? Am I someone that's helping others to Jesus? Or am I actually hindering someone from meeting Jesus, right? Uh, But also it's important for us to be able to to identify the people that are coming in uh, to our church and to our Bible studies. Where do they fit in that bunch? And so let's consider these people who came to Jesus' Bible study and who can expect to meet in our own Bible studies. Uh, So the first one is someone who, who, who is hurting, right? Uh, the, the first, consider this man that's sick of the palsy. And this man's paralyzed, which means that, that he can't move. Uh, this man, he can't even help himself. And this man came to Jesus in need of healing. And this man, he's representative of everyone that, that you know that doesn't yet know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. These people are all around us. And if God's presence is acknowledged, and if his word is established, then hurting people will come. And so, man, as we gather to, to study the Bible, it's so, so crucial that, that we get established by acknowledging the presence of the Lord, that, that we get established in the Word of God, and we, we anticipate those who are hurting to come because they will, right? Uh, here we see that Jesus addresses the true issue uh, of this man. He forgives him of his sins. And his friends might have barren him to Jesus, right? It says that they bore him. Uh, come by four and that they bore him to Jesus but Jesus bore his sins on the cross and so this paralytic state beautifully displays our part uh, when we come to Jesus for healing right there's nothing that we can do there's nothing that we can do that's our part when we come to Jesus for healing (laughs) we can't do anything about it right it's not by our works or our righteousness it's by his grace and mercy that we're forgiven and thus healed and if you've come today, and maybe you feel paralyzed. Uh, maybe you say, man, I do know Jesus uh, as Lord and Savior, but, but I still feel paralyzed. Uh, maybe you have faith that doesn't walk. I'd love to, to chat with you. Uh, I'd love for you to, to meet with me, with Lisa, with, with one of the leaders here. But I believe with all my heart that, 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 that Jesus heals. And if you don't believe me, 
And as we, we, we continue to study the, the, this uh, particular passage, I pray that you see that, right? Uh, but praise the Lord, we should be trusting God to bring these people into our lives. Uh, but we also have to count the cost of this, right? Remember, these people uh, oftentimes are paralyzed and they're needy and they can't help themselves. And in order for a Bible study for those who are hurting to thrive, it actually requires those who can help, yeah. right? It requires those who can help. If it's just a bunch of people that are hurting together, I'm not going to get very far, right? So we see that some come that are hurting, uh, but we also see that some come to help. And in this account, we learn that the helpers outnumber the man uh, sick of the palsy four to one. And I personally like those odds. <laughs> so, <clears throat> but the thing that I want you to see about these four men uh, is the verb that so beautifully encapsulates their heart. And in verse three, it says that these men, uh, that the man took of the palsy was born of four. Uh, so you see that these men, they're, they're quite literally bearing the infirmities of the weak. Uh, it's a sign of maturity, but also is a sign of compassion, uh, which is something that, that we've actually been speaking to quite, quite a bit, uh, or that we just spoke about this week, uh, to see someone in their state and to descend to their situation in such a way that you're in it with them. That's what compassion means, right? Uh, this isn't where you, you know, feel bad for that person, you know, that, that would be sympathy, but, but, but empathy, right? And this is something that I really struggle with. And I'm so thankful for Lisa. Uh, it's an area that, that she's very strong in and she's taught me a great deal about, uh, but we don't have to be sick and paralyzed and needy to feel for those that are right. Uh, and those mature and faithful, uh, like these four men are the most prized ministers that we could be so lucky to surround ourselves with, right? We want to be around people like these four that are full of compassion. We just saw that literally where Mitch was teaching, right? He saw this man laid out on his way to his funeral and said that he had compassion on her, right? Wow, we ought to have Christ's heart in that, to have compassion. And so uh, this is empathy. This is uh, them being able to feel for him and putting themselves in his shoes. Uh, and we don't have to be sick and paralyzed to, to feel for, the, for those who are. Um, um, yeah, it's incredible because they care. Yeah, there are men in my life. Uh, you know, I can't help but think of guys like uh, Brandon and Dan, uh, Alex and Uriah. My prayer is that there are people like this in, in this ministry. You know, again, we, we can meet for Bible study all we want. We can have in-home Bible studies. Uh, but we all need people that, that we can lean on. Uh, I've been so privileged to have people like Brandon, uh, yeah, to, just to, to hold me up uh, that, that I could lean on in times when, when I was weak, when my faith wasn't strong. Um, and so, man, I pray that you don't take these Bible studies for granted. I pray that you're faithful to Bible studies, um, that, that you see this for, for how beautiful and, and how impactful it can be. Um, yeah, it's awesome. We see that, that these men, uh, that they care and that their cares led them to share and to bear the burdens of the loss. Uh, but the beautiful thing about these men is that they knew exactly what to do with these burdens. Uh, they, they brought them to Jesus. Uh, even when the press was preventing them to come closer, uh, their desperacy opened up another door from above, right? And they lowered this man at the feet of Jesus. 
That's awesome. Uh, finally, we, we learn that, that some come to hinder. Um, and in Luke chapter 5, we find a parallel account that sheds some more light on who is in attendance uh, this day whenever they're studying. In Mark chapter 5, verse 17 through 18, it says, And it came to pass on a certain day, uh, as he was teaching, he being Jesus, that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by. Right? You got Pharisees and doctors of the law, which are come out of every town of Galilee. Out of every town of Galilee. Not just Galilee, right? And Judea and Jerusalem. And it says that the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Man, these people, these doctors, these Pharisees are coming out of every town of Galilee, Judea, Samaria, Jerusalem. And the Lord, he was present and his power was present to heal them. But they were blind and didn't realize that they had need. It says, behold, men brought in uh, a bed, a man, which is taken with the palsy. And they sought means to bring him in and to lay him before him. And when they could not find uh, by what way they might bring him in because of the multitude, they went upon the housetop and let him down through the tiling uh, with his couch into the midst before Jesus. And man, the, the power of the Lord was present to heal them, right? Uh, them being the religious rulers that came out of every land to hear Jesus. But instead of them receiving his words, instead of them even helping others to receive his words, they, they both hindered the helpers and the hurting, right? They hindered both the helpers and the hurting. And because of this multitude or press that sat, it literally says that these doctors of the law sat, right? So they're, they're sitting leisurely listening to this while the four are working overtime on behalf of their friend. And note that's often the most religious that are hindering to those that are in need of healing. Oftentimes it's the most religious that are a hindrance to those in need of healing. We want faith that moves us. Uh, I think about Jesus' first miracle that we saw in Mark chapter 1. When he's preaching with power and authority in the synagogues, the first thing that we see in terms of opposition is someone that's sitting in the pew coming up that's filled with an unclean spirit rebuking Jesus. It's a guy that's in the synagogue. It's not someone without, right? It's a spiritual, it's a religious man. We see that in chapter 1 verse 23. And I could tell you story after story of professing believers, of cultish believers, of spiritual individuals that have come into our Bible studies to hinder the work that's taking place there, to try and derail it, to, to try and find a soapbox, to, to step up and to, to, to claim it for themselves. And really, they're just preventing those who are truly seeking from finding. And we must be discerning, we must be skilled at navigating these scenarios in such a way that carves a clear path for honest seekers to access Jesus. Right? We have to be protective, right? We have to carve a clear path for those who are honest seekers to access Jesus. And so, with this, we must consider the intentions of those that are coming to our Bible studies. And with that, I'd be crazy not to ask you, why are you here today? What are your intentions? Are you here because you're hurting? Are you here because you're helping? Are you here just as a hindrance to the work that God's doing? This is a legitimate question. This is something that we should personally wrestle with every day. Right? Whenever we come to Bible study, whenever we come to, to church, why am I here? Am I coming with great expectation to hear from God? Am I coming believing in the presence and the power of God that he's here with the, the, the power to save, the power to heal them, right? God is much more concerned about our why than, than our what. And so why are you here? 
back in the passage in verse 6, it says, But there was certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Why doth this man speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? And immediately when Jesus perceived it in his spirit, that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, Why reason ye these things in your hearts? Whether it easier to say to the sick of the palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise, and take up thy bed, and walk. But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins, he saith to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, take up thy bed, go thy way into thine house. And immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went forth before them all. And so much that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We have never saw uh, it on this fashion. And so we see this incredible thing. Uh, we see uh, these religious rulers that, that are there only to hinder the work that's going on, pondering in their hearts and questioning the, the thing that Jesus is doing. And Jesus finds a perfect opportunity to present himself as God, to present himself as the, the, the Son of Man, right? To, to say, hey, is it a greater deal for me to forgive him of sins or, or to tell him to, to come and, and to rise and to walk. And so he does both. How beautiful is that? Just like a mic drop baller moment, right? And the key point number four, man, as we come together, anytime we get to come together and to consider the word of God, we get to come together and witness the, the glory of God, right? Uh, we, we bring people to Jesus, uh, but it's he that does the work. And, and we see that, that Jesus is focused on forgiving the, the sin and, and then on the physical healing. The focus is on the spiritual before it was ever on the physical. And, and all this proves to, to, to us, right, as a testimony that we might know Jesus as Messiah. And, and all this falls out to God being glorified. It says that they praised him, that they glorified God, that they worshiped, right? It's the name of Jesus being spread and lives being transformed. And so this is what we're trusting God for as we gather together with our Bible studies. As we come, we ought to acknowledge the presence of God. That's such a big deal. Man, we ought to come with great expectation for God to do a work, knowing that he's come with power, knowing that where the presence of God is, there the, the power of God is also, right? Uh, but we also have to come with the intention to get established in the word of God. Man, do you know he has promises in here for us? They'll tra completely transform a man if we let him. And in Hebrews chapter 4, it talks about how this word is sharper than any two-edged sword. Right? It has the power to divide a man from himself. And the beautiful thing about such a, a sharp weapon, about such a sharp tool, is that it's actually as dangerous as it is helpful, depending on how we wield it. We ought to become workmen in the word. We ought to become skilled laborers for Jesus Christ. Right? And next... Man, whenever we gather for, for, for Bible study, whenever we gather like this, man, we're invited to participate in the work. And so I don't know where you're at today. I don't know if you found a, somewhere to, to plug in here in our church. I don't know how you're serving in Bible study. But, but my heart for you is that you'd come and, and maybe you are in a place where you're hurting. And you just need to come and to be born by, by those that are more mature uh, that, that, to, to, to hold you up. But, but the goal it's just like this man, that you'd be healed in such a way that now you can become a help, right? 
where you can bring people to the feet of Jesus and allow him to do an incredible work in their lives. That's what we're trusting God for. And when we do that, we get to witness the glory of God. And we get to witness the glory of God by him completely transforming the lives of those that he's coming in contact with. How incredible for, for this man who's paralytic to walk, to get up and walk. How incredible that through this testimony that God was glorified, right? It says it glorified God, that they'd never seen it in this fashion before. And the beautiful thing is that it was amazed, and the testimony of Jesus continued to resound throughout the entire area. As we consider to continue to read in the book of Mark, we see that, that, that his status, his reputation is only growing and growing and growing, right? And so this is what we're trusting God for in our Bible studies, that as we acknowledge the presence of God, that as we get established in the word of God, and that as we participate in the work of God, that we get to experience the glory of God, mm-hmm. right? And, and guys, this is something that I can say is the biggest privilege, uh, again, uh, to, to be a part of, you know, uh, these Bible studies has completely transformed my life. Uh, whenever I came into this church, I was the man being born of the four. Uh, it took guys like Brandon. Uh, it took guys like Dan. It took guys that I knew from high school like Alex and Montana uh, to hold me accountable, you know, to, to carry me in, to lay me down here, to receive the word and allow it to transform my life. And by God's grace, now I get to participate in this work, right? And it's awesome. It's the biggest privilege for me. Man, I've been able to labor in Bible study with Brian. He is a treasure. Man, I'm jealous that you guys have him here with you, right? And it's awesome. And man, Brian will never know. Brian will never know the investment that he's made in my lives and in the lives of the men that are under me. It's all, these guys, they're different, right? To, to see... You guys have seen the young people around here. It doesn't make sense. It's not normal for, for some 20-year-olds to, to, to get together on a Thursday night and to study the Bible. That's not cool. It is cool. It is cool. That is cool. That's not normal, right? For them to have, man, those guys, they know the book better than half the pastors in the city. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. They're, they're so, this book's transformed their lives, and now it's got them to a place where they're desperate for souls and they're bringing people in and we get to see man complete again lives completely transformed i think about my bible study there's a gentleman there uh whenever he came in uh he came in jewish he grew up going to synagogue uh and and he learned the, the old testament he never reckoned jesus christ right and uh the first time him coming to bible study uh, is uh, as we're studying the, the, the road to Damascus. And he saw this dude named Paul. And, and Paul, he was, was a Pharisee. He was a Jew of Jews. This dude is the real deal. He's zealous for his faith. Uh, so much so that, that he went out to persecute believers and, and to drag them in in bonds. And as he was on this road to Damascus, he encountered Jesus and it completely transformed his life. And this guy, for the first time in his life, heard the gospel. And he saw this Jewish man that encountered Jesus, and it wrecked him to the core. Uh, that night, he professed Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And now, guys, his heart, it's not just to, to come and to, to learn the word of God. Now his heart is to bring others into the fold as well. He's so desperate, and to see how God's using him, it's awesome. And God is getting glory out of their lives. This is the work that we get to be a part of, right? And so again, 
uh, man, this passage is so sweet to me uh, because I've seen how God has used this to, to work in our lives. And these principles are simple. They're really simple, but they're incredibly profound. And so for us, I just pray that these would be, man, some, some guiding principles as we gather together to study the Bible. We ought to come with great expectation for God to do a work. If you're not there, how is he going to do a work in your life? Well, you got, man, you ought to come for one. Man, if those four didn't bring them, man, we don't have this story. We ought to come with great expectation for him to do a work. Uh, because we've seen how he's worked in our own lives, right? The, the people that gathered there, they had seen testimony from chapter one of the work that God could do. And so they came with great expectation for, for God to meet them there, for Jesus to meet them there, right? And Jesus, instead of focusing on his miraculous works, instead of putting on some laser light show, he got established in the word of God, right? And he opened up the book and began to preach there. And then we get to participate in the work of God just so we can witness the glory of God. And so I'm going to close us in prayer. I thank you so much for, for allowing me to spend time with you all today. Uh, it's been a, a great privilege. Uh, Lord, we, we do thank you. Um, you are uh, a good God, and you're a good Father. Um, to, to see me in a paralytic state, you know, to see me in a place where I couldn't help myself, and to have compassion on me, uh, and to heal me, to forgive me, Lord. Uh, it's the greatest thing that's ever happened in my life. Uh, and it's left me in a place where I can't help but share that with others. And so, Lord, uh, we pray that you'd bless this class, uh, that you'd be glorified through this class, uh, that any time that we get to gather and to open your book and to study your word, uh, that we'd get to witness your glory through transformed lives, whether that be through salvation or, or sanctification, Lord, you have a great word for us that's meant to, to, to send us off in a different trajectory. And so, Lord, uh, we just pray that you'd bless this work. Uh, in Jesus' name we pray. Uh, amen.